Summertime is approaching quickly, but we need to protect our eyes, all while looking cool and not spending money. And if you're wondering how you can possibly do that, well, I have the solution for you. Blenders Eyewear. Unlike expensive brand shades that you've probably lost and smashed in the past, blenders are actually affordable. So you're not going to cry when you smash them because you're going to be out there having fun wearing your blenders, doing activities. You're going to look cool while having fun. You know, sometimes you like go outside, you're like, oh, I can't, you know, I got to look cool. And like, that's the activity. But no, you can like do shit right? You do stuff, wear your blenders. And if you lose them, whatever, it's fine. Blenders team of in-house designers are constantly coming out with new styles from orange polarized wraparounds, tortoise shell frames with purple lenses to the classic gold arms on black lens. And it's not just sunglasses. Blenders has prescription glasses, readers, and blue lights, as well as a snow collection with goggles and accessories. Live life in forward motion with blenders. To score 50% off your Blenders purchase, visit BlendersEyewear.com and enter promo code V-I-A-L-L-V-I-P. That's BlendersEyewear.com, code V-I-A-L-L-V-I-P for 15% off Blenders rocked with pride worldwide. What is going on, everybody? Hi, it's Nick, the, um, is it ambivert? Ambervert? I'm an, yeah, I'm an ambivert as well, Are you? by the way. Yeah, I took her test too. Exciting episode for you today. Uh, Susan Kane, the author of Quiet, is with us today to talk about the differences of being an introvert versus an extrovert. Uh, and, and why our society is the way it is, uh, how it kind of leans to favor extroverts versus introverts. Uh, we've had a lot of people asking for this episode once we, you know, Chrissy stereotyped introverts and how she thought they were incapable of DMing. Anyway, um, did we learn a lot? We did. Amanda and Allie, which, what are you, what are you, what are you two? I'm an ambivert, but I get mistaken for an extrovert a lot. Yeah, I would say, yeah, you would see, I would seem, you would seem to be more an extrovert. If I had to guess, I would have guessed you're an extrovert. Nick likes to think that he knows us better than we know ourselves, but. I've never, uh, I, I, Mm. eh, never, never said that Mm. at all. I do uh, think that I had you guys pegged when I hired you guys as how you guys would balance each other out. And so far I have not been proven wrong. Is that bother you that is uh, true yeah <laughs> you did do that uh, i was like this is how they're gonna work together and so far yeah. it's worked out great uh what are you ellie i have no idea what do you think you are i have no idea i don't even know what the things are <laughs> an introvert versus I think an extrovert she's just a vert i don't <laughs> know i don't know what she is i think ellie is an introvert what do you think amanda i think she's a vert what the what the vert <laughs> I don't know. What's a vert? <laughs> Sounds like a bug. Yeah, fascinating a discussion. Um, it's it's something I we, we clearly don't talk enough about. Understanding, you know, do you lean more introvert versus leaning more extrovert? And it is a as we discussed, kind of, it's not a one or the other. There's a bit of a spectrum involved in and how it plays a role in our relationships, dating, meeting people, making friends, work, overall just being happy and not understanding um, the th- you know how we operate in the world, whether we are an introvert versus an extrovert can play a big role in, in kind of our overall happiness. That was kind of one of my biggest takeaways. So 
Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope that uh, when you're done listening to it, you feel a little bit more understood, even from yourself. Uh, I know that's how I felt about it when I uh, took some time to understand the difference between introverts and extroverts and and understanding where I kind of fell on the spectrum. So thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Don't forget to send in your questions at asknickacastme.com. Cast with a K. Uh, for Ask Nick episodes, uh, be sure to check out our uh, episode with uh, Dave Holmes to get an update on all things Bachelor Nation, including uh, what's coming up next for Katie's season, uh, Chris Harrison, Colton uh, Underwood, uh, and his uh, announcement about being gay, uh, his upcoming documentary or whatever. We don't still TBD. And uh, that was a fun episode with Dave. And if nothing else, let's get to Susan. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, this has been a, a kind of an episode I think my audience has really been anticipating. And just to give you some backstory, it, it started, and I'll put Chrissy on the spot a little bit, uh, a few weeks ago, we were playing a game with one of our guests, and the game's called Do You Know Me? And it's just like we're kind of guessing, you know, personality traits, uh, you know, have they ever done X, Y, or Z? And there was a question that came up was our guest introverted or extroverted. And earlier in that interview, our, our guest uh, said how they never slid into a DM or they never messaged someone to ask them on a date. And they had mentioned that they've, well, they mentioned that they did do that, right? And so uh, I asked the question, are they introverted or extroverted? And Chrissy just jumped. She's like, oh no, they must be extroverted because they slid into a DM. And I was just like, what is what do you mean by that? It was a, such a generalization <laughs> about someone's like personality uh, based off of doing something. And, you know, I've kind of in the past couple years of my life have become more aware uh, of my introversion or the introversion mm -hmm. characteristics that I have. And it's mm -hmm. something that I never even thought of, right? It's something that I grew up playing sports. I was very social. I, you know, I, I've done a lot of what I'll, many would assume to be extroverted things. And I've also, you know, been told I was different in, in very unique ways or sometimes quiet or weird or, or things like that. And then I would also get defensive when, you know, family members or people who really knew me would be like, wait, wait, you're introverted. And I'd be like, well, no, no, I'm not. What do you, what do you mean by that? And, and I've been like looking into it and studying it and looking at your stuff. And, and I found more kind of inner peace with myself by like mm -hmm. understanding what it means to at least have some introverted characteristics. And, and so, you know, I, 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 we mentioned it to our audience and the response was very kind of overwhelming of, oh, please have a talk about this. Cause I feel like there's a lot of people out there and I'm sure uh, I'd love to talk to you about that in terms of, you know, with the work you've done and other people talking about being introverted or extroverted, there's been a lot of kind of like, oh, I finally feel seen or understood and, th and things like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about your own experience because, um, well, you mentioned playing sports and a bunch of other things. You didn't mention um, acting and being, you know, on camera. Yeah, and yeah. Out in the spotlight, but 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 the really interesting thing is there are so many actors and so many performers and comedians and, and journalists and lots of people who are in the spotlight um, will tell you that privately they're quite introverted and 
and um, part of what they're doing when they're acting is playing a role, which is something we all learn to do, but introverts especially mm-hmm. learn to do it. Um, so it's not unusual at all. Um, and it's also interesting how you talked about uh, needing to make peace with it, because I think that the the reason that the work that I do uh, touched the nerve that it did is that people have a real misconception about what introversion is, and they assume that it means um, being misanthropic, you know, not liking people, um, being wrong or weird in some way. And um, and I think there's a kind of massive coming out right now and feeling permission just to be yourself. Totally. Uh, one, you know, reading your book, uh, Quiet, it starts off, which was also just really fascinating because you go so much into kind of how we got to where we are in terms of why uh, many introverts uh, feel defensive or, or don't, you know, or will fight that, you know, almost the label of being introverted. And it seems like it goes way back to our our society, our school system, jobs, our, our environments are, are very mm-hmm. pro extroverts, it seems like, or, or set up to kind of favor people who are extroverted. Is that, it, it, am I understanding that right? Or, and, and why, how did we get to that place where that was seen as more ideal? I mean, you're really understanding it correctly. And um, so there is this cultural bias that we have. And one of the first questions that I wanted to, wanted to figure out when I started researching this was, um, is this true in every culture? Has it always been true across time? Because I was curious to know, like, is, is there something about humans in general mm-hmm. that, that truly does make being extroverted um, advantageous? Um, or, or is there something cultural and therefore not necessary about it? So that's what I was looking at. And, and yeah, you know, even if you look in this country, in the US, um, where we're recording, um, if you go back to the 19th century, it was different then. We lived in what historians called a culture of uh, character, as opposed to the culture we live in now that they call a culture of personality. Um, and in the culture of character, it was much more about what kind of a person were you really? Um, what, what, what actions, good and bad, did you take when no one was looking? Mm-hmm. You know, were you a yeah. person of, of morality? Um, but then in the 20th century, when we started moving into cities and started um, getting jobs in companies where you had to kind of be a salesperson, either of your company's widget or of your own self in a job interview, um, suddenly it became really important to be magnetic and charismatic and likable and these kinds of things. Um, and, and that's the heritage that we're still living with today, though we can talk about it. I think that's actually starting to change in really interesting ways. Um, and, and we should also talk about how things are different in other countries because the US and um, certain countries of the West are their own unique species and it, uh, these, these, these cultural biases are not the same across the world. Really, what, what, do you find certain countries to be more introverted or even to favor that type of personality or at least accept it better? Oh yeah, I mean, very much so. Um, so Finland for, uh, whatever reason is known as a quite introverted country. Really? And then, okay. um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then if you look at all the Confucian belt countries like uh, Japan and Korea and China and so on, um, those countries have a much quieter orientation. And that's based on the Confucianism that, that 
underpins these cultures. Um, so in Confucianism, what you care about is the harmony of the group, mm-hmm. whereas in the U.S. we care about the individual, right? But if you care about group harmony, you don't want any one individual to be standing out too much. So um, where we have uh, you know, sayings like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, mm-hmm. In a country like China or like Korea, you have much more um, the wind howls, but the mountain remains still. You know, so sure, like, yeah. the ability to be quiet yeah. is a real strength, which is something we don't relate to at all. Um, but but it's out there. Totally. I mean, I you I think we can all think about our childhoods, whether whether it was us or or people we knew, where you know, ironically, your book is called Quiet, right? The the quiet person was almost mm-hmm. seen as the outcast. Why is they why are they not socializing? Why are they not doing this? Why are you know our leadership qualities? Why you know I thought that was really fascinating part about your book, like what it means to be a leader and who makes up good leaders. And I think again there was this bias of you have to be an extroverted person to be a great leader. You have to have this big presence and, and it doesn't seem that to be always the case. Yeah, I mean, it's actually just not true. Um, there's been study after study showing that introverted leaders deliver the same outcomes or in some cases better outcomes um, than extroverted leaders, but we, but this bias still persists. So like in companies, introverts tend to get passed over for leadership positions, but once they do get there, they actually do really well. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can see this, like you, you look at you know Bill Gates and Rosa Parks and uh, like, it, Lots of leaders across time, across industries, are actually quiet people who, one of the things quiet people tend to do is they tend to get really passionate and dedicated to one or two channels in their lives. And then in the service of those passions, they end up acquiring all this expertise and building networks and really inspiring people's trust in an incredibly deep way because it's rooted in this authentic passion. Um, and that ends up being the channel to leadership that introverts take. Before I was in this life, I, I was in sales for 10 years. And oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I took your test. I'm, I'm right in the middle. So what is that's okay. a, a, an ambivert. ambivert. Yeah, I was yeah. like right down yeah. the middle, which made a lot of sense to me because it was like, why do I thrive in these situations? But why do I also do this? Why do I like going to mm-hmm. parties? But like sitting in the background and, and talking mm-hmm. to like one person type, yeah. of, type of situation. Yeah. And that kind of all made sense. But thinking about in my sales background, there's kind of this, there's this classic kind of stereotype when it's, there's a lot of truth to it is great salesperson wins a lot of awards. Then they want to get into management. So they get hired mm-hmm. to be a manager and they're a yeah. terrible sales manager because they, they don't know how to stop being salespeople. They don't know how to start, stop like overtaking the room. They don't, you mm-hmm. know, they'll, they'll go into the sales meeting with their reps and, and not, you know, collaborate. And they expect mm-hmm. all their sale, they, they expect the people working for them to sell like them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and yeah. while, when I was reading your book, that made a lot of sense to me. It's just like, I bet those were all extroverted people who never really stopped and kind of got to understand the people who worked for them, you know, whether they were introverted or extroverted or, or different things, mm-hmm. but it was just more about them and, and being big. And, and then I thought about 
wow, that, that's probably and why they weren't very good because they never really managed. They never really got to know or thought about how different personalities work. And do you find that a strength of introverts is to empathize and relate a little bit better to the people around them? Or is that is there no you know correlation there? Well, I mean, I think what you're getting at, there was a really interesting study um, that uh, the professor, Wharton professor Adam Grant mm-hmm. did where he looked at different forms of leadership and um, and he found that introverted leaders got better outcomes than extroverted leaders did when they were managing inherently proactive employees. And it's for the reasons that you were just getting at, which is if you're an introverted leader, you're much more likely to be asking the people who work for you, like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What are your ideas? Um, whereas an extroverted leader might be kind of like so irrepressible um, or dominant that they're putting their own stamp on things and not soliciting other people's ideas. So if you have a proactive workforce, um, that quieter form of leadership can be incredibly effective. Um, but they found that extroverted leaders did better when the work, when the staff was less proactive, because in that case, it was really helpful to have a leader who um, was, you know, inspiring people and really getting them riled up and, and rallied. Some of the best places I love to eat are the kind of hole-in-the-wall places that have amazing food because they don't waste any time on all the thrills of the experience of eating out and waiting in line and, and the douchiness of, like, clubs and, 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 and being seen and all those things. And Mint Mobile is kind of <laughs> like the cell phone company. It's like the hole-in-the-wall restaurant, but also amazing food. The styrofoam plate. Yeah. The styrofoam plate food that's it's you pay like seven dollars and you're like, how did I get all this deliciousness for like seven dollars? And you don't give a shit that it comes on a paper plate because you know what? It's going in your stomach anyways. Like that is Mint Mobile. Yeah. Mint Mobile is giving you the extra savings. They cut out all this. You know, you're buying you're getting you're getting your cell service online. You know, all this crap. Why do I have to go into a store and talk to an annoying? I used to be that annoying cell phone sales guy. That was me. I'll tell you what. For people looking for just savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks. I'm getting on the Mint Mobile train, baby, because I'm telling you what, I'm spending, I'll, I'll add a zero to that. That's what I'm spending on my, my <laughs> crap. Uh, all plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's right. We all want that 5G. Whoo, baby. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. You cannot beat that price. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped directly right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash V-I-A-L-L. That is mintmobile.com slash V-I-A-L-L. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash V-I-A-L-L. And you can just use the phone you're already using. You just get that SIM card, pop it in, and you are eating delicious food off of a styrofoam plate for $15. Mint Mobile. Do you know how Mint Mobile is able to get you the $15 pricing? Well, if you don't know that Mint Mo- Ryan Reynolds is uh, an owner or the owner of Mint Mobile, yeah. instead of coming in and, and reading you the ad, he just hired me instead. So much, <laughs> way more. So in, much cheaper. So much cheaper. Like he can't even afford himself. So he just is <laughs> like, hey, you just do this. Just as good. Um, and, and You look you just go. like me. We're the same height. You're like, you're, ish. It's fine. But, uh, 15 bucks a month. You can't beat it. 
an amazing 5G network. There you go. You're welcome. Investing in our mental health has never been more important. And in fact, it's always been important. We just finally started giving a shit. And BetterHelp is there to help us starting to give a shit, right? You know, working out, great. Uh, eating right, great. But also helping your mental health. It can go a long way to all those other things. It helps you get out of bed, make feel good, helping you be happy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It is more affordable than traditional online counseling. And financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living your a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash vilefiles and that is betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Vilefile listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash vilefiles. So what, what are some of the uh, suggestions you have uh, for you know people uh, who are in the workforce who are who are working with a lot of people uh, what's the best way like to understand how they should approach the people they're working with or working for based off of you know whether they find themselves to be more introverted or extroverted the best thing is to start with self-awareness mm-hmm. but then also to start uh, from there <laughs> to move really quickly to other awareness and not just like um, one dimensional other awareness, but for every member of the team to be aware of every other member of the team and how they fall on these temperamental, this temperamental access of introvert, extrovert, um, which is incredibly important. You know, you might say to that, well, there's lots of things I need to know about my teammates. Why should I focus on that? And what I'd say to you is we, we know from personality psychology that introversion, extroversion is one of the most fundamental dimensions of human nature. And it's shaped so much about the way we interact with each other, um, but also the way we make decisions, um, so much of our workday. So you can't really start effectively collaborating with the people around you until you understand and honor this dimension about them. Um, So I would start by having everybody take a personality test um, and if you want, you could go to my website. There's a free one there. It's uh, quietrev.com for quiet revolution. So quietrev.com. Um, you know, t- have everybody take a personality test and, um, and then use that to jumpstart discussions about, well, how do we all really like to work? Like if we, in our ideal world, how many meetings would we want to be going to per day? Um, what would we like our office spaces to, to look like if we ever come back from COVID? Sure. Um, what, uh, um, how, how many times a day do we feel we need to check in with each other? You know, because some people, for some people, it's, it's oxygen to be able to sit down at a desk, put their head down for three, four or five hours uninterrupted and know that they're going to be uninterrupted. But then maybe for their colleagues, their oxygen is being able to be checking in all the time and saying, hey, look, here's what I did. What do you think? What are you working on? Um, you need to know that about each other and you need to be able to talk about it in a completely non-fraught way where it's just like, oh yeah, I'm this way, you're this way. How, how can we work this out for each other? How, how can we each give the other what the other needs? Um, and you should get to the point where 
it's so socially acceptable to talk about it. It's so much part of your everyday thing that, you know, you're, you're joking with each other affectionately about your differences. Like, totally. you know, oh, there goes Michael. He, he, he hates these Friday afternoon um, office parties. Um, you know, but there's Sophie. She, she loved them. She can't get enough. And, and we're all joking around. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. said something in your book. It was like, there's like, I mean, what and is it 50 50 about in terms of people who are, or tend to be more introverted versus extroverted? Yeah, more or less. Right. Yep. It's, that's 50 50. Mm -hmm. Right. And yet I yeah. think we go yeah. around, I think, with the kind of pressure of our society to be an extroverted, you have kind of introverts in hiding. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> so you, you mentioned how uh, people in relationships. We talk uh, obviously a lot about relationships and dating in this in this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So whether it's in a dating situation, marriage, there are people who are married to people who have no idea they're married to an introvert, right? And I find that to be really fascinating. Or maybe they do over time, or they understand the personality, but they never really said, "Oh, that's because oh they they're, they tend to be more introverted." And I find that to yeah. be like shocking. You know, because yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, my, my wife or husband's quiet, but like they never thought that. Right. And I think that's such a that opens up such a level of understanding of, of who you yeah. might be going on a date with or your partner or and, yeah. and and how that you might like be attracted to to that. Like, how have you found intro, the difference between introverts and extroverts in like relationships? And do you, you know, do opposites attract? Do introverts respond better uh, to other introverts and vice versa? How does it all work? Or it can, is there a mix of all of them? There's so much to talk about here. Um, so first of all, the question of do opposites attract? Yes, they definitely do. Um, so the studies that I've looked at say that it's about half and half, which I mean, half the relationships uh, are what they call assortative mating, where you're, you're with somebody who has a similar personality style to yours. Um, but the other half are introvert, extrovert pairing. And even having said that, having said that that's about half, I can tell you just from walking around the world and over the past 10 years talking to so many people about this, it's, it feels to me like there's a larger majority of introvert, extrovert relationships that, that people really do tend to kind of go into these yin and yang type yeah. of pairing. Um, but, you know, of course, what happens with any... Uh, as with any uh, mating of opposites, you're attracted to the thing that you're not. Yeah. Because it seems like mystical and magical to you that somebody could have these qualities that you could never have. Um, but then the very qualities that may have attracted you to that person, you start to to have difficulty right. with. You get irritated. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a yeah. yeah we, like, we talk about oh, time. I want to yeah. go out to a party on Friday night. In fact, I want to go to a party every Friday night. Why doesn't my partner want to do that? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that can really, um, that can add to issues over time. Totally. We joke, we joke, about. you know, we joke about how like, the, like you, I mean, you said it perfectly. The things that we find sometimes very attractive in a dating situation will be the very things that irritate you in a year. You know, yeah. so just be just be careful. Um, but why? Why are you said? Let there's more to talk about. What are the some of the things that we should look out for or pay attention to, especially when we're dating someone and getting to know them? Mother's Day is around the corner, and wouldn't be a great gift to get your mother the gift of story time. I mean, we need to know who our parents, our grandparents are, our godmothers. I mean, hearing their stories. 
is such a meaningful thing and it's such a great gift to give someone. If there has ever been a year to make their mom feel loved and appreciated, it's Mother's Day. That's right. Hearing my mom's stories about a childhood, you know, where she went in the woods and they started a fire and they had to call the fire department. Uh, that was fun to learn about my mom, the little pyro that she is. Uh, and if I weren't for StoryWorth, I never would have known that about my mom because StoryWorth is an online service that helps your mom, grandmother, mother-in-law, and every mother figure in your life share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun new way to engage with them, especially if uh, you can't be together in person. Every week, StoryWorth emails your mom a different story prompt questions you've never thought to ask like what is some of the best advice your mother gave to you and uh, questions like if you could choose any talent to have what's uh what would it be StoryWorth has helped numerous families learn about each other in profound and special ways so there's no shortage of surprises when reading the weekly stories so give your mom the most meaningful gift this mother's day with StoryWorth. get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash V-I-A-L-L. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash V-I-A-L-L for $10 off. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your mom's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. Well, I mean, I think understanding these aspects of temperament is a big relationship saver because the answer to saying... The answer to the observation that you're going to get irritated by the very thing that attracted you is not to say, oh, well, therefore, that thing that attracted you was wrong, mm -hmm. you know, that you'd never be attracted to that. That's not really it. Um, it's more that those two realities have to coexist. Yeah. Um, you're probably forever going to be attracted to the, the, the thing that first drew you in. But now you're in the situation where, okay, I have to manage the downside of that, the places where we're not um, connecting so well. So for example, with introverts and extroverts, what I hear about all the time is the problem I was alluding to before. Um, one person wants to be going out and socializing all the time. And for the other person, their idea of the perfect evening is snuggling together on the couch mm -hmm. and watching Netflix. And what do you do about that over time, right? Um, so. The first step is psychological and it's understanding that my partner has different needs from mine, not because there's something wrong with their needs, but because they're just wired differently. They have a different temperament. It's okay. Um, now what do we do about it? Well, I think it's really useful to negotiate these things out in advance so that you're not having to fight about them every time Friday and Saturday night roll around. So maybe you say you just you, you decide as a couple, well, we're going to socialize X number of times per month, um, and we're going to socialize this way and not that way. Or you know, there's going to be a couple nights where one of us goes out just with their friends and the other one stays home. Whatever it is that sure. you agree that works for you, but but the the important thing is that you agree to it upfront, so you're not having to keep on fighting about it. Totally, yeah, setting those upfront expectations too, and just yeah. also yeah. being okay with saying. I love this about you. It's so exciting. I mean, it's so, you know, not only is it something you're attracted to because it's not, you know, something that comes as a strength of yours, but it's also like, yeah, they help you. Like, you know, it's great to be in a relationship with someone who helps you, as they say, get out of your shell sometimes. Oh, it's just like they bring you to the party and, and they help yeah. warm you up. And that is not only like attractive, but it's helpful. You know, you want to date someone who helps you. You do that. But also 
it's okay to say this isn't a strength of mine. Like you are actually <laughs> helping me do this. And it's also like, I also do need to have my alone time or quiet time or, you know, I, I love going to the party, but I, I don't like doing that to just also set your boundaries of, of things that, you know, come easily or, or are more difficult. If for no other reason, then, you know, like you don't want to pretend to be something you're not because instead of your partner understanding you when you might like be quiet in a party, they're not asking what's wrong with you. They're not saying, well, why, why are you being this way? And things like that. They already know because you didn't pretend to be something you're not. Yeah, I mean, pretending would just really get you nowhere. Um, and I, I think it's also useful for there to be a real symmetry there. So for the extroverted partner to be tuning into what it is about their introverted partner that they really need. Um, and there usually is quite a bit. And it's usually a little bit more abstract and ineffable. So it's harder to put your finger on it. But it's usually things like, um, well, this person makes me feel more grounded. Uh, this person makes me able to tune into what I'm really thinking and feeling about things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's something about um, this person's quiet energy or ability to be self-contained that I really just find alluring or um, attractive. You know, what it, whatever it is, you got to be tuning into that side of it too. Um, yeah. Instead of it being a, a, a lopsided well, discussion. I mean, that's a nice segue in terms of what are some of the, the kind of common like strengths of an extrovert versus the strengths of an introvert? Like what are some of the specific things? Because I, I feel like we, a lot of us know what they are for an extrovert, but we, mm -hmm. you might say, oh, that person is an extrovert. And you quickly think of all the negative things that that might mean to that about that person. I think our society does that, right? Sometimes. You mean of, of an introvert? Yeah, of an introvert. Like you yeah, hear, oh, that an person's introvert, introvert. And then the first thing that comes to mind is things they're not good at rather than things yeah. that they are good at. And what are some of the specific things that extrovert, introverts um, excel in? Well, um, one thing that people don't think of that much is, but it's very striking, is creativity. Um, so when psychologists look at who have been the most creative people across a, a broad variety of fields, they often find quite introverted people. Um, they're, they're, it's actually interesting. Like they find people who are extroverted enough that they can go out and exchange ideas and advance ideas, but they're introverted enough that they tend to seek out the solitude that creativity really requires as a kind of crucial ingredient. Um, so creativity is a big one. And, and if you start thinking about who are the artists you admire, the writers you admire, and start paying attention to their temperaments, you're, you're going to find this um, pretty in, in a pretty widespread type of way. Um, there's also leadership, which is the, the one we talked about mm -hmm. before. That's kind of surprising on its face. Um, and then there's a, the ability to listen, um, the ability to sit still, the ability to really tune in to the people around you. But, and, and all of this, not like extroverts can't and don't do those things too. It's, it's more that um, if by your nature, what you want to do is sit, to, to be in a quieter space and to have less stimulation coming at you, which is actually really what makes an introvert an introvert. Um, if that's what you want by your nature, then certain opportunities are going to open up to you 
um, interpersonally, you're going to be more likely to spend your social energy with close friends and with family, um, maybe sitting and having a, a thoughtful conversation as opposed to being all over the place with a bunch of people you don't know that well. Um, just because your nature draws you in that direction. You don't even necessarily have to be better at those things than an extrovert, but that's just where you go. Um, and, and, and so all these kinds of practices of um, being able to meditate, being able to think quietly, they, they, just, they come more easily to introverts because of this desire that introverts have uh, to be in these quieter settings. Interesting. And uh, yeah, you mentioned in, in your book in terms of like the study that they did with young, uh, like little babies or young children in terms of introducing new objects or just new things to them yeah. and, and how kind of the neuroscience of it all worked in terms of, and, and kind of like with uh, introverted leaders working well with kind of extroverted people, it was almost the opposite of what you would normally think. Like they, I think in, like you said, like you know, if a, a, a young child kind of responded like excitingly to a new object, you might think, oh, that means they like new things. But it's because they're mm -hmm. it's like the what uh, what is it about the psychology where they're just it's the senses. Right. It's the, the stimulation that they are more sensitive to. And that. Uh, yeah. Kind of so this is. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. So psychologists have been following people like from the time they're babies and doing these longitudinal studies where they trace them across their lives. Um, and what they see is that there's some babies who are born with nervous systems that react more to stimulation of all kinds. So like when you're a baby, um, they'll give them sugar water to suck on and some babies will salivate more in response to the sugar water, which shows you have a nervous system that reacts more, salivating more. Okay, you take that same baby when they're two years old and put them in a play group of kids they haven't seen before and their nervous system is reacting to those kids, to those new kids, um, just the way it reacted to the sugar water, which is here comes a new input. This is like a big new input. Humans we haven't seen before. Um, we are reacting a lot. We're gonna now get quiet because we need to kind of chill out and get our nervous system into equilibrium. And that, of course, we, we, we all change a ton as we grow, we develop new skills, all this stuff, but but these temperaments tend to stay with us through our lives so that in general, um, introverts have nervous systems that react more and extroverts nervous systems react less. And that's why um, if you're an extrovert listening to this, your liability for you is getting bored and sluggish and like tuned out. And that's because your nervous system, when, when it doesn't have enough inputs coming in, you're going to, it's going to feel like there's too little stimulation coming at you. Um, and for introverts, the liability is when there's too much coming at you, your, your nervous system gets all jangled up and you, you just don't feel right. That's so, that's so fascinating. So we can almost, so being an introvert versus an extrovert is, is that more nature versus nurture? Yeah. You know, that's always a, a huge question in psychological science. Yeah. It's, it's a mix of both, like everything, like everything. Um, but having said that, it is one of the most heritable of personality uh, traits. So, you know, in any group of people, um, there, there's going to, that are introverts or extroverts, 
heritability is playing a huge role. Really? Um, okay. I, yeah, as any parent will tell you, because you know you can see it yeah. when your babies are born. You can you can see the differences in the way they react from a very very early age if you're paying attention. So what makes you know so for the people like myself who have both introvert and extrovert yeah. characteristics is is that because we you know, a combination of inheriting it from your parents and maybe you had one parent being an extrovert and one an introvert. I have 10 siblings. So I grew up in a, like, a Do you really, yeah, wow. I was, a, but it's wow. interesting. My, my family jokes that like I've, t I'm the second oldest, right? So I was one of the older okay. ones, but I very mm -hmm. much acted like an independent only child. I just kind of kept to huh. myself. I did my own thing. Huh. I didn't worry, you know, about other people. I just was very independent and just liked yeah. to be alone. And, huh. and, uh, I don't know what role that played on, on my personality, but I assume it played some role. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, it really is a mix, you know, you inherited whatever, um, temperament that you did. And then on top of that, you've had thousands upon thousands of life experiences and those shape you also. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then you acquire all kinds of skills and that shapes you too. So it's like you start out with your underlying temperament, then you have the experiences and the skills, and then you end up from there with your personality. Um, but the personality isn't exactly where you started out with, uh, with that inborn temperament. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all a big, a big splash yeah, <laughs> for, totally. of input. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I do this, you know, Q and a on my Instagram and it's a lot of relationship based driven advice and stuff like that. And it's, it's anonymous. So no one can tell who's asking the question. Right. And mm -hmm. it's a lot of, you know, I have a high women audience, right. But I get a mix of, of men and women. And this person asked about, uh, they're, they're, I'm in New York and I want to, you know, I'm new to the city, you know, how mm -hmm. do I meet more people? And this is like a quick quick question, quick response. It's not like a long form, like, like a podcast. And to yeah. this person, I just wrote, just smile more, right? Just a mm -hmm. general, very general. And the thought in my thinking was, well, listen, like if even for me as someone who can be introverted, who sometimes can come across as standoffish or aloof mm -hmm. to people, I mm -hmm. will focus on when I want to be inviting I will focus on mm -hmm. smiling more. Now, yeah. when I wrote that, now my audience being a lot of women and and I, it was very triggering for a lot of people because I got a yeah. lot of, and I didn't yeah. think about this, right? And it was like, oh, you know, women are constantly told to smile yeah. all the time. Jenny Garth, who was on this podcast uh, last mm -hmm. week, you know, mentioned that she was introverted and how like her whole life, men telling her to smile more was this kind of mm -hmm. an irritating, irritating thing. And I was kind of surprised by that, not only, not that it happens, but as a, as a guy, right? I related to that. I'm, I'm a guy who, who my whole life going out in public to bars and, and social situations, very, I've, I've been asked to smile or I've been, some people come up to me, why aren't you having fun? Have yeah. more fun. Yeah. And it was, it's yeah. always been very frustrating to me. And I wouldn't wondered, was this a men woman thing? Is this an introvert extrovert thing? Or is it a combination of for the women who are introverted and then this mm -hmm. kind of social pressure for the guy to, you know, generally be the one who pursues, right? To like mm -hmm. the one who hits on the girls at the bar. I mean, it, you know, we try to break down those kind of barriers, but that still seems to be the case. And have you found that that's how it kind of 
that's where a lot of the misunderstanding comes from or what can we learn from that? Because I, I thought that was really fascinating because it seemed to be triggering for a lot of women, but yet yeah. it's something I, as a man, related to. Well, I mean, it's funny. What, I, what I'm thinking about as I listen to you is I actually, um, well, first of all, yes, I, I get both sides of that. I get why, I get why women are triggered and are told, um, you know, as they walk down the street constantly, yeah, they should be smiling. Totally. Um, and I also get how it applies to you uh, as, as a sometimes introverted person. And what I am thinking about as I listen to that is I started out thinking about this whole question of introverts in an extroverted culture mm-hmm. um, back when I was a corporate lawyer. And I was really interested in... Um, in feminist questions, still am, um, and in gender questions. Um, but I started to look, and, and so I was always active in that, but I started to look around and notice all the different aspects of human behavior that were not really explained by looking at questions of gender. Um, and, and this happened at my law firm because I was always involved in professional development, and mentoring committees and things like that. And I, I just started to notice, you know, like if, if we want to analyze, well, how do people show up? How do people behave when they show up at a negotiation or at a meeting? Mm-hmm. Who's talking and who isn't? Who's comfortable and who isn't? Well, we can look at gender and that explains something, but it's not explaining everything. And to me, the big missing piece was this question of, of temperament and personality and introversion and extroversion. I, I don't think, I don't think you can really get a full, um, analysis of all these dynamics without having that as a really central piece of the way you look at it. Yeah, totally. It was, it was really, you know, I don't know for the people listening, if that will say anything to them or, or wonder, or, you know, if the guys listen to this, if they're like, yeah, no, I, I find it irritating too, because I, I don't remember a time that I, I haven't had someone come up to me at a social event and tell me to have fun or tell me to smile or, or, and it, it's, Oh, I've always yeah, gotten very defensive. Yeah. Like, what does that say about me? And yet, you know, uh, something I learned, you know, just talking to, to women and, and, and certainly that moment when I said smile and, it, you know, uh, and, and people just assumed it was a woman asking the question, but right, it was, uh, right. yeah. And it was, you couldn't tell that the, the question didn't say anything about gender or it wasn't about, I want to meet more men or women. It was, I just want to meet people. Um, right, right, and yet right. it was something that, um, you know, uh, but yeah, for the people like in social events, like maybe they're, it is, you know, that's why they might not be smiling. I don't know. Like, or do you find that extroverts versus introverts have a propensity to smile more versus not? Or like, I never thought of it that way, but like also as something, probably, in, go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yes. I, I, I don't know about smiling specifically, but what I do know is, um, Another thing that makes an extrovert an extrovert <laughs> versus an introvert is, um, okay, we all have dopamine pathways in our brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are the, the pathways that are kind of, they get activated when you get excited about something, mm-hmm. you know, like it could be a piece of chocolate cake that you're thinking about or someone you're going to go on a date with or whatever. Um, and for extroverts, their dopamine networks are more easily activated than those of introverts. Um, and that's why you, that's why we do tend to associate extroverts with kind of upbeat, peppy behavior mm-hmm. because they're just more 
often in that mode of like, oh, I'm really excited about that thing over there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so that would correlate with smiling. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. my, my kind of resting state is more subside and neutral. You said something in your book yeah. too about uh, is introverts aren't as quick to laugh. If, am I saying that right? Or, you know, like, or, or extroverts laugh more easily at things. Is that kind yeah. of the same psychology? Cause that's, that's how I feel. Yeah. I always be like, I love to laugh. I love watching right. comedy yeah. and all those things, but I always will say like, my laughs don't come cheap. Like I don't, yes. you know, yes. I don't, uh, it, I can laugh. I can just like, I'll, I'll hear a joke and be like, huh, that's, yeah. You know, I'll smile when someone, but a, a, a big laugh, I might be like crying or, or trying to catch my breath, but it, it's, it's few and far between. And you're loving it when it happens. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah. but I still love to laugh, right? It, it, and I have other people, other people just be laughing this hysterically at like the like very small joke. And I'm like, it's not that funny. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay, like I don't get it, but fine. Um, and I never thought there was a correlation uh, about that between, you know, someone who might be an introvert versus an extro extrovert. Yeah, I mean, that's why I say that there's like, there's so much to this personality style beyond, you know, just how much do you like going to parties, which is the thing yeah. we all think about. Sure. But, but, you know, it's, and, and that whole thing of the dopamine pathways, it, it correlates to how, you know, happy and upbeat do you seem in general, but it also gets into questions like, um, well, how do you make decisions? Because if you're somebody whose dopamine pathway is getting activated very easily at the prospect of, you know, a great new deal, let's say yeah. that you might be doing great new business deal. Well, the good side of that is you're somebody who's going to like seize the day. You're going to get really excited about that new deal and be working on it. Um, the downside of it is you are more likely to make kind of quick and impulsive decisions because you're so focused on the shiny object over there that you're not noticing as much the potential subtleties or the potential warning signs along the way. Not because you're not intellectually capable of it, but because you're kind of emotionally oriented in that one direction. And all this stuff has such a huge impact on the way you're processing the world, making decisions about the world. And we don't even know it. Totally. Um, well, yeah. there is a, a section in your book and I, th I think it's, kind of what you're speaking to now but the the need i don't know you called it something but wanting to get rewarded for something and that desire for like an award it was a story you talked about the, the stock trader who lost all this money and mm. it was more because mm -hmm. he was thinking about well if he got all this money or what that would mean and how he could spend the money and that was um, affecting his decisions in the moment and whether that was a smart investment or, or not and i and then i think right. about real world application in terms of like you know, how we operate on social media um, and artists like, uh, or in life, I, I think to myself, you know, you know, someone who kind of operate in this reality TV space. And I talk to a lot of my peers about, um, you know, try to, I try to give advice and I'll say the things you say no to are often as, as important as the, as the things you say yes to um, in, in terms of, uh, you know, playing the long game, you know, how is this good decision going to affect you five years from now versus tomorrow? Right. And when you were talking about that section, uh, I felt like there was a correlation there in terms of 
you know, oh, I, I want to do this thing because I'm going to get instant attention. People will notice right. it right away, but they won't think yeah. about the fallout after the fact. Right, right. And do yeah, you, you know, do you find that like in, in terms of or have there been a lot of studies in terms of how introverts and extroverts um, uh, deal with social media differently and and how and what the what they put out and, and things like that? Oh, do you mean like do they put out risky content? Yeah, maybe it's or, a riskier content, or, or just how how does social media play a role in terms of someone's personality or yeah their decisions to do things or you know be risk takers or not risk takers or or affected affected decisions yeah i mean so there's definitely differences in the way we interact with social media um in general like just as you predict if you think about it like extroverts are much more likely to um you know like and comment on lots of different posts for example um, whereas introverts will maybe read just as many posts, but they're only going to interact with, like, or comment or whatever, um, the ones that really speak to them. <laughs> so it's like really in their channel of intense interest, their bullseye interest, or, or somebody they're very close to, that's when they're going to interact. Um, and also, I believe, not totally sure about this, but I believe there are differences in general in numbers of followers and so on. Um, but what is also true is that social media can be an amazing forum of self-expression and of connection for introverts who don't necessarily want to be, yeah. you know, up on a stage or out at a party, but now suddenly you're home in front of your screen, but you can share your thoughts with the world. Um, so, so there's definitely a phenomenon of kind of um, in-person introvert and online extrovert. Yeah, totally. That, yeah, and it seems like that would be um, pretty pretty common. Um, you you mentioned something in your book about, and I thought that was really fascinating, and I didn't even think about there was a a, a correlation, but how um, multitasking is a myth. Mm-hmm. Is that is that? I, I was just like, I was like, what? Really? Great. I, yeah. I don't have to pretend I'm not anymore. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, no, your brain literally cannot multitask. Your brain must focus on one thing at a time. Um, so when you think you're multitasking, what you're really doing is switching your brain from this thing to this thing to this thing. And then everything is less efficient. So, it's, um, so someone who says yeah. I'm a great multitasker, they're just better at not making mistakes when doing two things at once rather yeah, than they're probably just better at like not feeling I'm guessing it's something like not feeling as flustered or as bothered by um, the cognitive load of constantly switching tasks which everybody has but I think some people just don't mind it as much so yeah and it, it because I think the, the stereotype is men, uh, women are better at multitasking than men. And it was fascinating to hear you say it's more or less a myth. Then what is it about from a, is it introvert versus extrovert men, women that allow, where did that stereotype come from? I'm just kind of curious. About women being yeah, better, better multitaskers? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I don't even, I guess I can see that stereotype. It's, it's not something I feel like I personally hear a lot okay, yeah um am i the only one who's heard that, that... i don't know okay. do absolutely not <laughs> that, women, that you have that women are better multitaskers that's like a like a regular thing 
Yeah, it's a common stereotype, right? I also yeah. think it's related to like motherhood. Like it's a big thing that like, oh, women can handle it all. And it relates to being able to juggle a lot of things, especially in domestic environments. Okay. That is true. I, it's funny. I was actually, yeah. even as I was saying, I don't hear that stereotype that much. I was thinking, okay, except in this one place, um, um, in the context of, yeah, okay. among parents, yeah. you know, it's kind of a feeling like, okay, well, the mom is the one who can remember to call the school and get the red boots and not the blue boots and, you know, all yeah. the different things you used to do. But I don't think that's really at the end of the day about being better at multitasking. I think it's more a question of what, what are you choosing to focus on? Yeah. Well, I, I, I read that and I felt such, it, it was such a weight <laughs> off my shoulders. It was yeah, like, so because I was like, great. I, 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 I finally, have, I can accept something I'm not good at that I, no one is apparently because I'm always like, you know, they, they'll ask you this in interviews. Are you, how good are you at multitasking? It's a very popular yeah. interview question. Yeah. And only to yeah. find out that it's not even a real thing is, is, is a, a fascinating thing. Um, yeah, it's a funny um, possible answer to your interview question. Well, in fact, there's no such there's thing no as such multitasking. There's no such thing, actually. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned in your book in terms of uh, often the most charismatic people, the best speakers, um, are incorrectly thought to be the best thought leaders, right? Uh, and yeah. how there's yeah. absolutely no correlation between the two. And we need to be careful uh, as we consume content and we look for information mm -hmm. to make sure that we're being independent thinkers because we have this kind of, uh, there's something about us that we, well, we're followers. We like to, you know, oh, this is popular. This is what other people are agreeing with. And, and, and we sometimes can be drawn to the big personalities, the, the big, you know, speakers and it sounds good, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily, uh, mean anything. I mean, I'll say that a lot. I mean, people will be talking about someone and be like, Oh, and they'll say something, you know, uh, really charismatic and big. And I'm like, they didn't say anything at all. In fact, what they did say, it seems pretty harmful, but a lot of people will be like, Oh, that's so inspiring. And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't get it. Like why? Why is that? Oh, what's, why do we have a propensity to do that? And, and how can we go about making better informed decisions about the information we take in? Yeah, I mean, we have so many different cognitive biases that set us up to do this. Um, like you've probably heard the idea that um, if you, that, that most people are really making up their minds about any given speaker, not even based on what they say, but based on their body language. Yeah. Um, so you could actually turn off the sound and get the same result in terms of um, what they think about that, that speaker. Um, and then there's also this other bias that if you're in a group of people, um, if there's one person who's dissenting from the group opinion, they will tend to be overlooked or dismissed um, or, or thought of as a harmful outlier. Um, but if, if you start adding to the number of dissenters, if there's two people or three people dissenting, now suddenly that's an idea that's worthy of being looked at. Now the idea hasn't changed at all. It's just that we've got this cognitive bias that's telling us one person um, standing apart from the group, be careful. Um, and then, yeah, you know, in, in my book, you might be talking about um, a, a guy I interviewed who's in private equity and his job is basically to make decisions about which companies to invest in. And he, he says, he looks at his peers and these are like really smart people who are in charge of gigantic investments. Um, and he said they're, they're all kind of bedazzled by 
an amazing pitch, you know, by, by a charismatic pitchman, um, regardless of what the substance is. And the only way, really, because humans seem to be primed to, to be this way, the only way to step outside it is to become conscious of it um, and really start noticing what you tend to be swayed by and dazzled by and really start it and really kind of force yourself um, to focus on the substance of what's being said. It's like you kind of have to step away from your automatic brain and go into your analytical um yeah, your hyper-analytical brain. Oh, that's that's it's all really really fascinating. So, if if someone if going to to kind of wrap things up, going back to kind of the the social dynamics of it all in terms of especially in a you know making friends, dating, getting to know people. Uh, mm-hmm. For the introverts out there, uh, what are some advice that you might have for them embracing? their introverted characteristics and and how they can kind of manage you know efficiently meeting people on their terms without feeling defensive and, and vice versa yeah. for extroverts well i mean i i think in terms of um not feeling defensive and so on the first thing to do is to really look closely at the world around you look at some of the people he, who you admire the most and who have made the deepest contributions to the world. Um, and you're gonna find that a, lot of the, that a lot of those people are actually introverts and that they do what they do because of their quiet temperament and not in spite of it. Um, now, I, I was really lucky. I think part of the reason I've probably had the career trajectory that I've had is that I grew up in a quite introverted family and kind of saw this firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like my, my father was a medical school professor and he was, and a gastroenterologist and he was known as the guy you would go to if you couldn't figure out what was wrong with your patient like he would come up with a crazy diagnosis that was right um and i saw that he you know he, he was great with his patients but he would come home from work every day and and um after dinner he would sit and pour over medical journals for hours by himself and and he would go to medical conferences and sit in the first row and tape everything and then listen to the tape a million times, like really, you know, solitarily and diligently. And because of that, he was really contributing. Um, so anyway, so I, I, I kind of grew up feeling this in my bones and seeing it viscerally. Um, if that's not as natural to you, you need to be doing that in a conscious way. Um, and I guarantee if you look at the people around you, whether it's people you know well or celebrities or, or um, you know, thought leaders or just contributors to the world, whoever. Um, chat, notice those people and keep them as your kind of emotional talismans and, and channel them when you need them for inner strength. Um, your second question, uh, your, the second part of your question, I think, was about dating. and Yeah, just kind of, to, yeah. I mean, this is all very helpful, too, in terms of, yeah, but like in, in dating and, and just making friends, I think... Uh, how to, you know, breaking down those barriers of, you know, how to enter, inter, if you sent someone, if you know you're an extrovert and you sent someone being an introvert mm-hmm. or, or vice versa, how can we mesh those two without kind of any judgment or kind of weird questions or, or things like that? <laughs> right. And just, you know, you know, or like kind of to your point, benefit from the other qualities that the, the person has. Yeah. Um, 
so I mean, one piece of good news is this really does happen naturally. There, there, there is a kind of it, it's not only in um, mating, which is what we were talking about, but also as friends and as colleagues, there is a kind of attraction between introverts and extroverts. And we know even at work that the best performing groups are the ones that have a mix of both types because that chemistry is real and um, the different strengths that each brings to bear, making um, the, the sum greater than its parts, mm-hmm. all of that is real. And people feel it. They, they feel it instinctively, even if they've never heard the word introvert and extrovert. They just know this in their bones. So, so you, in the dating context, you should just kind of know that too. Um, and and I, I, I would really embrace it, you know, if you're an introvert going on a date with an extrovert or vice versa. I, w- I would look at it as an opportunity, like, you know, fantastic. Um, we're, we're actually probably going to mesh really well. Yeah. Um, you spent some time in, in your book, too, talking about, you know, group activities and, and especially um, how they're, like, I mean, like even like 10 years ago, maybe more, I don't know when it all started, but there was everything should be done. A collaboration. Let's all collaborate. Let's get together. Let's group think, you know, and, and that can be great at at getting together and sharing ideas is, is fantastic. But, uh, some of the most productive people, especially if, if, if part of that people in that group have, uh, are introverts, they're not necessarily maximizing their creativity as we talked about earlier or, or getting mm-hmm. ideas out. And how can we, how can you balance that out? You know, I, you mentioned something like they're uh, a kind of a new trend of some kind of progressive uh, employers are uh, no meetings on certain days. People work, they're specifically told to work alone and then bring the ideas in or, or I, what's, yeah, I just found that to be really fascinating. Yeah, there's all different techniques that are out there. Um, I'm actually in the process of developing an audio course for people um, that you can just kind of listen to on your phone every yeah. morning. And I, I have some of these techniques in there because it's such a, it's such a, I'd say this, this is probably the biggest question that I get asked about in the work context of like, how do you, how do you manage this? How do you balance the alone time and the group time? And then, and then really tricky, okay, Everybody does need sometimes to come together in group meetings. How do we make sure we're actually hearing from everybody? Because we know there was a statistic from the Kellogg School that in your typical meeting, you have three people doing 70% of the talking, um, which is disastrous. If you figure everyone's got the same amount of good ideas and you're not hearing from most people. Um, So one technique that Amazon does actually, um, they, if there's an important meeting, they will have the person running the meeting um, write down all their thoughts in a well thought out memo. And then everybody comes together to the meeting and they actually spend the first half an hour just sitting quietly reading the memo to themselves. And it's like a real memo. It's not just a dashed out agenda, like, you know, single space, a few pages. Um, And the idea is you're, you're having everybody really think things through in a deep and solitary way um, before they're taking each other's time to process what they've thought about. And, and you're much more likely to hear from everybody that way because you've given everyone the time to think things through. So that's one idea. There, there's a bunch of different techniques that people can use. Um, and, and that idea, by the way, that comes from Jeff, I always forget it, is it Bezos or Bezos? But anyway, it comes from him and he's quite extroverted. Um, and so he, he's not doing this as a thing for introverts. 
he does it because it gets the best results. And he's an extrovert. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What if? I don't know why I would have guessed he's an introvert. I don't know, but huh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's all. It's all really fascinating. Um, any any final thoughts before we we let you go, Susan? This has been so fun and, and enlightening, and uh, I, I'm sure that uh, everyone listening uh, will have learned something new uh, about what it is to to be an introvert or an extrovert. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you've asked such amazing questions that um, I feel like we've gotten a chance to cover a lot. Um, so I guess I'll just say that for those of you who want to know more, are interested, there's such an ocean of, of material. Um, I do have a newsletter and a website, and so you can find me there. Um, there's lots of information out there. Yeah, um, uh, in your yeah. book, Quiet, uh, your, your, your TED Talk, really uh, fascinating stuff. I mean, you, you put a lot of great t- content in. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, not to sound corny, but I, you know, paying attention to the characteristics that I have that are more introverted. I've, mm-hmm. I have me personally gotten more comfortable with myself. Right. And yeah. Yeah. when, yeah. you know, uh, I don't get defensive about people pointing out things about me that are more introverted characteristics because I'm like, yeah, I you know I'm, but that is who I am. And, and these are strengths I have as a result and, and, and vice versa. Yeah. And, and for a good 20 some years of my life, I tried to pretend that wasn't who I was, right? Or right. and yeah. um, and I think you, we can all be ourselves a little bit better by kind of understanding. And one, one final thing, it's it's sure. importantly, it's not necessary. It's not a, a black and white thing. It's more of a like we yeah. a spectrum, right? Like it, it you know, introvert, um, ambivert, extrovert. People can fall all on on the spectrum across the board, so it's not like one or the other, but kind of little yeah. different characteristics. I'm actually really glad that you said that because I did mean to say that earlier and I forgot to. Um, so yes, like there's people who are real ambiverts, like in general, they're in the middle of the spectrum. But even people like me, who I consider myself quite introverted, or you know, someone who's a hyper extrovert, even for us. Um, no one's all one thing, right? You, you always have your moments where you feel more like the other type. Mm. And, um, and, and I think in general, you want to use these ideas as, as ideas that enhance your life and open it up, but not as labels that constrain you. And that it's a bit of an art form to, be, to do one and not the other, yeah. but it can be done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess what I, what I would say for people listening, like a really great rule of thumb is to ask yourself, how would you spend, let's say, your next Saturday? If, if, if you had a Saturday where you have absolutely zero work, social, family obligations, completely up to you, how would you choose to spend your time? How many people would you spend it with? What would the setting be? And your answer to that question will tell you a lot about what you really need in this life. Um, you know, and you might be thinking about, like, what kind of job should I get? And maybe you're thinking about the title or the salary or all kinds of things, but you should also be thinking, will this career, will this job path give me the kind of life that I need and want temperamentally? Because so much of that is going to um, shape yeah. how happy you feel on a daily basis. I mean, that's, I feel like it's a big like aha moment, you know, I mean, <laughs> when we think about our careers or what we should do and the rest of our lives, 
I don't know how many people think about that, right? Who like what do I want my environment to be like? How the people for the rest of my life on a day to day basis, and uh, that can play a, a probably a huge role in people's happiness. It's a huge, huge role. Yeah, and I don't think people think about no, it. No, I don't think. Um, I don't think when you're going to like career day in college, that's a would be like I feel like question number one people should ask themselves, or at least in the top five. And I don't know if that's ever. I don't know. If, I don't have that, ever remember that being asked of me. I don't remember giving that any thought. Yeah, no, it's true. And like, it's not that you don't want to think about the substance. Like I'm imagining you could have two kids, let's say, going to that career day. And let's say they're both really interested in sports and they want a career. I don't mean as athletes, but a career in the business of sport. Um, you know, but one kid's more introverted and they're going to want more of a behind the scenes role or um, a role doing the business analysis or whatever. And for another kid, it might be the right thing to be, I don't know what, um, you know, being the sports announcer on ESPN. But you can, so what I'm saying is you can take the exact same set of passions and express them in completely different ways that will be right for your temperament, mm-hmm. not for that, that person's, but yes, for yours. Yeah, well, that's, that's huge. Susan, I had a quick question. Sorry, this is Amanda. Um, I was wondering, uh, one thing we talk a lot about on the show and Nick talks about with callers all the time is how a lot of bad decisions, particularly in relationships where people find themselves with what others that they're not compatible with, are born out of loneliness and an inability to sort of be on your own and be single. And I was wondering if you could talk about how extroverts might be more sort of predisposed to that situation and also how they could channel some introvert qualities in order to develop a little bit more self-sufficiency so that way they're more likely to enter an interdependent relationship as opposed to a codependent one yeah that's a really smart question and you're right i mean the fear of loneliness can drive people to make the worst decisions um and and though i and i do want to say though though i think extroverts are probably more predisposed to it for the reasons you're saying that that introverts can feel lonely too right because we all have our social needs and it's like if your social needs aren't being met, you feel lonely. Um, but so, so for extroverts though, or for anybody who is finding themselves in that situation, um, I mean, you, you want to get into the habit of living your day through the channel of what are your core interests and passions? Because once you do that, you're just much less like, well, first of all, it's the right way to live. Um, but to your question, you're much less likely to feel lonely because you're deeply engaged in what you're doing. And you're also then um, tending to interact with other people who are similarly engaged. So you don't necessarily need to be getting, um, in that case, your your social energy is met um, through the wrong romantic partner because you're having them met already um, through this other place, through this other channel. Um, and then you're kind of free and open to be waiting for the right person. Um, I guess I'm saying in, in some ways, my message is, is the same, no matter what the question we're talking about is, which is to constant, to constantly be tuning into where you are really driven to go and being okay with that. And then cultivating a life that's built around that. The more you cultivate that life, the less lonely you're going to be. Yeah. 
start, I would say start there. I've never even thought about that. And it's such a, like a powerful, like and final thought in terms of like you know, cultivating that life, your environment, your surroundings. And like you said, like that kind of applies to everything, you know, where you want to live, who you want to live it with, uh, friends, you know, I mean, I was going to say family, but you, we don't get to pick our family, but uh, everything else, our jobs, our careers, um, plays a role in, in, in that. And, and, and being in tune with kind of what we enjoy and how we like to enjoy it can go uh, a long way. Yeah. yeah. And being unapologetically in tune with it. Yeah. You know? and, and not going by labels. I'll just give you an example. Like I used to live in New York City. I actually left Manhattan like kicking and screaming. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and, you know, people would say, well, if you're such an introvert, how could you love being in a big city? But I actually think a big city is fantastic for some introverts. I love New York. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause like you get all this energy around you, but you can be quite anonymous at the same yeah, time. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so not to go by the labels, like go by what your gut is really telling you. That's great. Um, Susan, th- thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you about all these things and I hope the people listening did as well. Uh, be sure to uh, check out Susan's book. Again, remind the people uh, of your website so they can check that out as well. Oh, yeah, sure. So my website, it's uh, Quiet Revolution, so quietrev.com. Um, and when you get there, you can see um, a place to sign up for my newsletter. But basically, everything there is free and it's just extra information for you. Awesome. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Hopefully uh, you learned something about yourself today and uh, just be unapologetically yourself and, and be true to yourself and no matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And um, yeah, uh, I had, had such a fun time. Don't forget to send in your questions at asknickacastmedia.com, cast with a K. Uh, and if nothing else, we will see you back on Monday. 